Welcome to the Retail Wire Podcast. The show bringing you the very best in expert analysis, insights, and discussions straight from some of the retail industry's leading experts. Whether you're a retailer looking to stay ahead of the curve, a supplier navigating the ever-changing retail landscape, or someone who just really loves retail, we've got you covered. Get ready. It's time for another great episode here on the Retail Wire Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode here on the Retail Wire Podcast. Guys, I am uh, I'm, I'm excited about today's episode because I have another podcaster on the show with me. Uh, this is someone who, who knows the run of what I'm going through. Uh, the, the guest today, uh, if you have not checked the show notes yet, then uh, you're going to find out this person is a fractional CMO and COO. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and what that is. Uh, he's based out of Canada. He's a marketing professor at Centennial College, co-founder of Old Growth Beverages, co-host and co-founder of This Commerce Life podcast. And, of course, he's a brain trust member here on Retail Wire. Welcome to the show, everybody. Phil Chang. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. Thanks for hey. having me. You know, I can, even, awesome. I can even bring it in for you. Give it a... <laughs> Listen, you didn't have to do any of that because I'm just excited that I'm not on my podcast, so I'm not in your shoes. So I'm not sweating over recording. I'm not worried. <laughs> all I had to do was show you're not up. Dealing I, I kind of with... love that. So, yeah. Really yeah, you're not dealing with all those yeah. technical issues yeah. that pop up, yeah. like, you know, something telling you a browser is out of. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nothing. Yeah. nothing. I, Whatever. I show. So. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So now you're a podcaster. And like you said, I think that's mm -hmm. one of the nice things about being a guest on somebody else's podcast is, is you get to sit back a little bit and just be you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But before we find out about the podcast situation, who are you? Uh, tell everybody a little bit of just about who Phil Chang is. Um, like, tell us what makes you tick, man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let me see. Too late. So... I, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm Canadian, born and bred here in uh, here in Toronto or the Toronto area. Um, have done. I, I've got. I'm married. I've got three kids. So my kids are. I'm at that age where um, I have big kids with big problems, I guess. So or big kid problems. So I've got a 21 year old in uni, and then uh, and then I've got a, a 17 year old who just got her license um so i'm getting gray hairs from fending off dad can i have the car dad can i have the car dad can i have the car um, how's that working then, out for you yeah <laughs> you know like there are moments right as a dad you kind of go i'm not asking so you shouldn't tell me but if i ask you need to tell me and then my my better half is like no no she needs to tell us everywhere and i'm like i, I can't no i just i don't want to she took the car she got home safe we're yeah we're good i i don't <laughs> there's not enough ammo in the closet for you to know everywhere she goes right no 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 like, no mm, no no mm -mm, mm -mm. there's just not enough no so yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah so so uh, and then my my youngest is 15 so i'll be re i'll be doing the groundhog um the groundhog uh, day thing next year with with license licenses and all that stuff but um yeah yeah that's kind of like that's family life and then yeah um 
I when you're reading my list, I feel like I have a problem with attention span. Um, I clearly like to do a lot of things. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of me. Like I I I um I play some volleyball on the side. Golf season is here. I love golf. I'm kind of a sport nut, so I'll play pretty much anything that has a sphere of some sort in it um, that okay. I can chase around. So I'm I'm simple that way. And then uh, and then when I'm not doing that, I, if I can cook, I'd be in the kitchen like all day. So yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay, all right. What's your what's uh, kind of your style of cooking that you go for? Is there a I'm favorite all over dish the place. you have? I'm all over the place. Like um, you know, so I'm I'm Chinese by descent, and uh, but being Canadian Chinese um, or or like American Chinese is you lose a lot of your your heritage, right? Like I was born in Canada. And so like the big thing now has been, you know, my mom's 85. So I've been trying to replicate all of the family recipes, you know, things mm -hmm. that she cooked when we were small. Um, and all of it is like, you know, there's recipe books, but it's not the same, right? Like mom, she says it's a tablespoon, but when you go in there, you're like, that's not a tablespoon. Like you use your hands and like, that that's was my like tablespoon. a, <laughs> right? So there's a lot of that stuff in there. So yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. been really fun. Yeah, I, I understand that my my grandma was a big baker, and so she loved doing different homemade baked treats. And uh, we actually found some recipes the other day from her. Uh, they were written down on little note cards uh, up in a pantry. And one of them, I'll, I'll not forget this, it was uh, her hot rolls that she would do. And so okay. she would make, you know, just, just your normal traditional white hot roll. Um, yeast dough whatever yeah and it would say uh it said something about mix it uh until you until you see this happen and then it was um put it in a bowl and let it rise uh until you get out of church and then they'll be ready to go and that was her measurement of time that's amazing right. was you'd put it in like the night before let it rise and once you came home from church well that's about That's the funny. amount of time that you would need. <laughs> All right, Mama. Whatever you got yeah. it, you know. You got it. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I that's cool, you. man. So, and you're talking about attention span. So, I would imagine that probably plays actually well to you know, the first role I read off was your fractional CMO yeah. COO role. Yeah. Um, for anybody listening who doesn't know what is fractional in that context of CMO COO. Uh, what does that look like for you? It's, um, I mean, the way we describe it is it's really temporary expert help, um, either in the marketing area or helping you sort out operations and kind of running your business. Um, so, so we kind of like, I kind of make it my business not to be in your business forever. Um, so usually I'm in a, a, a business, either a retailer or a brand, I'm there for maybe six months. And it's a lot of like, how do I help you solve? Like, what what problems are you having? Um, if it's a marketing problem, is is it? Um, do you have a handle on how you're speaking to consumers, or um, what are your unique selling positions? Are they compelling enough? Right? Or sometimes, actually, oftentimes the problem is is I get to brands that um, they've done the vision, mission, purpose work, um, mm -hmm. but they have these like really cool strat documents but they have no idea how to turn that into, you know, marketing campaigns and infrastructure yeah, and, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's that sounds really like. So essentially, you're identifying what their goal is. You help them yeah. figure out where they want to be at. Then you just yeah. reverse engineer correct. working yourself out of a job. Yeah, yeah, correct. So, correct. yeah, but that's really cool because yeah. then I would imagine you probably get to see a lot of different businesses and different areas of business that. Uh, I mean, it's all still marketing and stuff, but at the same point, it's like you see different approaches, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do and you I think guess... that's impacted your uh, kind of like, has it compounded, I guess, probably over time? Like, hey, I, I saw this over in this industry. It won't work here, but it does work over here. What have you noticed about that? Yeah, it's um, so everybody has the same problem that way. So you get the strat documents and then they all have trouble translating. And okay. then I, but I do you do carry things over, right? Like you see, you see moments where um, I'm doing some work with a couple of pet brands right now. Um, and they, you know, one of them thinks that in order to resonate with a customer, you've got to be able to talk in that kind of like doggy language, you know, that you're, you know, pet parents or paw parents, or, you know, this is possum. And it's kind of like helping them go, no, no, like connection with a, you can do that, but that's superficial. Like you actually yeah. need to get to the emotional truth of why they need you. Yeah. So if you do that right, it doesn't really matter what language you speak. You're you're gonna get it. it it'll be fine, right? So there's some of that stuff in there for sure. Um, the other really cool thing is when you start working like that, you run into a lot of marketers along the way, um, and so you you just get to meet a lot of very talented people who are like really committed to what they want to do. Right. So it's, it's really fun. Like it's um, being able to drop into those situations. It's, it's really, really fun to help these brands. Yeah. What, um, I'm going to take a slight tangent and say, yeah. what is one of the, or, or, or who has been one of the most influential marketers that you've kind of met along the way that you're like, wow, I can really point back to that person. And they, they maybe shaped me. Um, there's a whole bunch of folks. I think the, the, there's one from, there's one in particular from kind of my Pfizer J and J days. His name's Peter Rodriguez. Um, and, and, uh, P rod, we call him P rod. But nice. P rod is P -Rod. amazing. Yeah. P rod's out there and he's, he's amazing. Like his ability to take, you know, kind of like these really almost obtuse, like consumer insights. Yeah. and then turn them into something really sharp that you can use um, mm. is, is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, yeah, he, he would be a guy that I would, I would look at, like not kind of big, you know, Hollywood marketing hero, but like a local, yeah. you know, that's just really cool. Doesn't he knows how to get it done. Yeah, yeah, he does. Definitely. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So yeah, so fractional, you just kind of, yeah. now are you working multiple roles at like multiple CMO roles at multiple companies at yeah. the same time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So usually cool. I carry, I don't, I try not to carry more than two or three at okay. a time because otherwise your, your focus gets all broken and then you're not kind of thinking through things properly. So usually it's two or three right now. I've got two okay. um, and then, and then I teach on the side as well. So that kind of keeps me, you know. ADD yeah. keeps me, so, keeps me focused. So where did you get into teaching? What, what got you into teaching there? Um, Centennial probably six or seven years ago, Centennial was looking for an omni-channel, someone to do omni-channel. And there, I guess just at the time, there just weren't that many of us okay. um, doing omni-channel. So I jumped in to help out. I really liked it. I liked, um, 
I like the role. I like spending the time with, with the kids. Like they're not really kids. They're, they're all pros that came back. Like Centennial has this program that's a digital certificate. So it's really for people who have graduated and then realize like, Hey, I've got a normal marketing degree or, or I've got marketing experience, but I don't have digital. So yeah. they come back in and they do digital and then Centennial teaches them everything, SEO, SEM, uh, omni-channel content creation, you know, um, ads, you know, the whole bit. Yeah. Um, and, and in, in the beginning I was doing omni-channel there only. Um, I like that. And then, you know, like everything else. Right. So then I started teaching SEO, SEM, um, and then, uh, classic marketing and digital marketing as well. So, yeah. And yeah. that's really cool. So now you said that was like six, six years ago or so that you yeah. started that. Yeah. 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 Still doing it. I love it. Love it. So you've seen several uh, several classes come through now and like and kind of start going out. Do it. Do any of them reach out to you after like they yeah. kind of land that gig and yeah. or or you know? Yeah, we stay in touch. A lot of them um, stay in touch. I kind of tell them once you're my kids, you're always my kids. So yeah. um, you know, because a lot of times too, you know, they've got the experience now, but they need they need the contacts, right? Like they need the contacts to get into the industry. And then when you know you've got great like students, you just can't, you know, you start placing them places and they just, they just work, right? Like now there's, yeah. there's kids at, uh, there's some ex-students at like places like L'Oreal and Shiseido and Walmart and Loblaws and, you know, like all over the place. And you kind of hear the same thing is that they're awesome, right? So, um, yeah. so it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. That's got to be really rewarding to know that like you're, you're sending those people out and they're, they're really just like, just flying. Yeah. So. It's really awesome man. yeah it's really cool it's really cool well very yeah. cool so tell me a little bit about old growth beverages where uh what's what's what is that what's tell me the story there's a big it's, smile on your face so i know there's gonna be a good story <laughs> yeah. it's it's a neat um it's a it's a really neat pet project so it is a um so we're doing micro ground teas okay. um and so these are these are um these are tea leaves that have been stone ground into very fine particles that you can drink. Mm, okay. So from a holistic standpoint, it's really good for you. You basically consume the whole leaf, not just the, cause when you soak a tea bag, you kind of get like five, maybe 10% of the nutritional ingredients in a tea leaf. Right. And so when you stone ground it, like one, you get all of the nutritional ingredients. And then two is you like, you can have a drink in like a minute. So you boil water, Mm. teaspoon of this and then if you add um like a milk of your choice you're good yeah. to go um wow. it's pretty fantastic yeah yeah what's your what's your yeah. favorite tea that you make oh my gosh there's a chai that i can't get enough of um which is you know like i'm i'm for anyone who knows me like i'm a coffee drinker so i know like everything i could possibly know about coffee my cupboard is full of like pour overs and chemexes and I you got use siphon? an espresso maker. Yeah, yeah. I have an AeroPress that I take on the plane with me. Yep. So, you know, so so this kind of like who I am. And then so when I start tasting these micrograms, I was like, okay, this is cool as tea, but I'm it's not for me. And then I drank the chai and I realized I have to beg Indian friends to make me Marsala chai, right? Yeah. It's a lot of begging. You get a whole pot that you usually can't drink by yourself, right? And then you get the, like, you asked me to make it. Now you're not drinking the entire two liters I made, right? Um, right. But now I can make it in my own kitchen. It's it's awesome. So, yeah. That's really yeah. cool. 
Yeah. So now do you grow the teas or do you buy them from somewhere? No, we or? Yeah, okay. we, everything's organic. So all the ingredients yeah. are organic, but we source them all. We don't, we don't, uh, we don't have enough time yet. We're, we're not that vertically integrated. <laughs> oh, that's cool. You know, maybe someday I'll add tea grower to my list, but I, I don't know? think I can do that while I live in Toronto. I think I need to move to India or South Africa or, you know, somewhere, yeah. somewhere warm and balmy. So I, I don't see a problem with moving warm and balmy. Yeah. I think Listen, if I get, if I get a tea field or whatever they call it, yeah. Um, you and I will just, we'll do a podcast from the middle of the tea leaf. So it'll be great. Straight up. Yeah. And on a different section, I'm going to come and grow hops. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring hops. it on. So bring I'll brew on. my own. Why not? From there. We, so. If we have that much land, we, we might as well do it all. Right. What's the big right. deal? So, yeah. yeah. Well, very cool, man. So then now now you're with the Brain Trust. Obviously, you're on the Meet the Brain Trust uh, series here, but yeah. how did you come to know Retail Wire? What's, uh, what's the path look like to get you into Retail Wire? So I, uh, right around the time I, was, I started teaching Omnichannel, I was working for a retail tech company called Hubba, um, it, based out of Toronto. It's a startup. It's, it's just, I think it hit 14 or 15 years. So it just closed down like the last couple of years. Okay. Um, but we'd been around a long time and I was working as an ambassador for them. And then I ran into, I, I, I was online. I, I can't remember why, but I ran into Rick Moss, the former co-founder of Retail. Yep. And um, he and I started chatting online. I think we were going back and forth on a topic. And then he kind of sent me this invite, like, hey, you got to check this out. And then that was it, you know, so I've kind of been in Retail Wire a long time. I love the discussions going on. The um, the folks in there are super smart, um, you know, and and I just I love the community. They're all they're all pretty great people, right? So it's um, yeah. yeah, it's a nice way to jump into conversations in the morning. So well, and yeah. and I like it because to me, so like you know, I've said this on a previous episode too, but like I don't come from a massive, extensive background in retail. And I think just being surrounded by such great minds with mm -hmm. a lot of different perspectives, mm -hmm. they're not just parroting the same thing, right? Yeah. They all have their own views and their own experiences that they're bringing. And so, uh, you know, it's been really cool to get to know you a little bit. Uh, we've done a couple of calls already before this yeah. and just being able to connect a little bit, being able to kind of learn who you are and like, wow, I really need to get you on the podcast, you know? Um, and so, you know, this has been really cool to see. And, and I think that's, it's really shown me a lot about the retail industry and the people in the retail industry that I really had no clue about. Oh, that um, we're all crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, well, that I knew like, because yeah. I can identify well with you guys. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, man, that's, that's awesome. Um, I'm really glad to have you with us, man. I'm glad to have Thanks. you here as part of the brain trust. Um, so before we go too deep into retail, though, you said, so you're a podcaster, yeah. you're a teacher. Yeah. Um, are there any untapped hobbies that we haven't talked about? Like what, what's, what's your guilty pleasure like in, in hobbies? Like, are you like a super gardener or like. I garden, uh, but I, I'm not good at it. Like eh? I plant, I water. I honestly, if, if I didn't have to get paid for a living. I, I really would. I think I would spend all my time in the kitchen. Ah, oh. like I, I really would like, you know, kind of learning, you know, all of the different things that you can make. And, you know, like baking is, is one of those things that I've gone pretty deep on as well, you know, so we, 
make all sorts of things at home. And I think it, it, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a neat, it's a neat place to be. So the, if, if I had to do anything, if I was trying to de-stress or I was trying to do anything, it's probably cooking. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know, uh, we talked a little bit about just kind of your first roots in retail and stuff like that. Um, what was something that you, uh, you know, what was something that you kind of came into the retail game, um, and just like maybe struggled with, or, uh, what, what was something that maybe took you off guard about retail that you were like, Oh yeah, I'm going to walk in this, this part's going to be a breeze for me. And, uh, maybe it kind of right hooked you. Um, I think that, I think the first the first moment that it was really surprising. Um, so I, I've kind of had the benefit of working at a whole bunch of companies, but there was, there was a moment where um, I became the data guy for Revlon Canada, for example. So we were doing, you know, like, look at me, right? Like I'm at a cosmetics company, right? So what do I yeah. know about cosmetics? Right. So I had to learn all this stuff. And then I think the first moment that, I was kind of hooked, right? Was um, we started running analytics and then we started teaching stores based on categories. Um, so, you know, we give them a, a business review. So we tell them how well they did on Revlon lip, eye, face, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, ver you know, versus their year ago sort of thing. Like really yeah. kind of like basic, you know, kind of performance stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the... The sales director at the time, she got me really, she got me really going because I was like, yeah, yeah, I ran these things. She goes, yeah, but what, what do you, what are you teaching them? And I'm like, what, what do you yeah. mean? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm telling them how to the do numbers. Like, what, what's the big deal? Like, there's millions of data points. She goes, it's all just data, right? Like, it's all just crap. So what, what is it? What, what? Yeah. And that made me kind of go, oh, oh shoot, right? Like, because now that moment is when data and consumers get tied together and you realize like what I see influences what a store does, which influences what a consumer does. Yeah. Um, and that's like the first moment that you realize, you know, that was like really early on. You realize like it should be consumers who produce the data that influence what we do, which is kind of true, but it's way more true. The other way is we see data and then we make things happen. Yeah. And that was like the first moment that I, I thought, I'm in, right? Like, this is cool. Cause now, and you know, now I can, I can pull data. I can find slices. I can talk to them differently. It means when I go and build planograms, all of a sudden, like you shape planograms differently because I know this is what they're looking for. And I, I can surmise that if I put it here, I'm going to get better sales because they know they can find it easier. So there's yeah. all of those things that, you know, kind of make data and insights come together, you know? So that was probably my first like real aha moment. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause, cause a lot of people don't think about it, but like even just shifting the position of a couple of different SKUs, or maybe it's a color pattern that's different and, yeah. and a, you know, or a color and a bottle shape or size. Yeah. Um, it, it can really, people don't understand just how much a small change like that can really modify a shopper's behavior um yeah. just just based on where it's at you know yeah. it's like uh, i think that was a big thing for me because i had a, a background with some walmart time and and some agency time and 
and understanding the difference between a shelf placement at eye level versus one above or below. Mm-hmm. Um, even it's not even that far of a distance, but it changes everything about your sales numbers and and the perception of that product. So, well, uh, a really easy example. Um, we moved, um, like super sexy category, right? Hemorrhoids. Yeah. But we moved hemorrhoid creams from the bottom shelf to the middle shelf. Okay. And you kind of go, well, that seems like a basic insight, right? Because if you have hemorrhoids, you can't bend over. You can't, you know, so, so like bend down and reach hemorrhoid cream on the bottom shelf. It's not really a thing, yeah. right? And you realize like, oh, like if I was just looking at data, I'd never know that, right? But that's yeah. that moment when you go, that's the data, right? And then like, and based on the data, if it was on the bottom shelf, you'd be declining in numbers. So you'd keep it on the bottom shelf because it sucks. But yeah. the minute you realize I've done it wrong, I've done them a disservice. If I move it up to the middle, all of a sudden the lift goes up and then the data says, no, you, you like you put it in the right place. Now it's turning twice as fast as it was before because they can reach oh, yeah. it, right? Like, hello, you know? Well, and there's that. And there's the idea that like, you know, the, the thing that jumps out to me is like, some people there's the stigma you know obviously around hemorrhoids and everything it's just yeah. like oh i just feel gross you know it's yeah. like kind of like, like it's it's annoying i don't want to yeah. deal with it so maybe somebody's trying to not that's right podcast and like yeah. stare at the bottom of the shelf you know yeah. it's like what are they looking oh they're looking at hemorrhoid cream yeah. got it you know but it's like no no no. i was definitely yeah. looking at the toothpaste over here you yeah. know yeah that's true i think true. you know taking those those human behaviors into into consideration like that and that that's the knowledge where I think, you know, your, your leadership was spot on with going, okay, what is the story behind that data? Because there's, it, it looks like a bunch of dots, right? But then suddenly it's not the the dots are making this big mosaic kind of thing. So yeah, Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, so what is one thing I think base, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about analytics, talking a lot about Mm. customer behaviors and things like that with marketing. Um, what is something you see going on in the retail industry just over and over and over again? I mean, I would imagine you probably also see it a lot in your, your fractional roles. Um, what's something that they see, you know, that, that you see going on that like for you, it's pretty crystal clear but you see these brands or these individuals constantly struggling with say like one or two key areas. Um, I think that, so the, the two things that I see over and over again, I think that kind of made me do the fractional thing is the connection between strategy and execution. Okay. I just feel like there's such a big gap, like, cause the people who do your vision, mission and purpose stuff, they're very, they're very creative types. They're they're very super smart. They're all super smart and they're very creative, yeah. but they do what they love, right? Which is the mission vision, you know. And that's a really yeah, kind of idealistic, process. right? Yeah, it's very fun, right? Because you're you're ideating with clients. You're you're spending lots of time brainstorming. You're getting lots of gray cells, you know, working, right? But the connection to the nitty gritty, the how do I build a campaign out of that? Like what? tools do I plug in, right? Like what things mm-hmm. do I track that help me say, this is working, it's not working. I see that broken all over. You know, sometimes I get to companies and they've got four different mission, vision purposes, right? That they've done mm-hmm. over the years. Cause they think this is where I have to begin every time. And sometimes I say to them, don't bother. Just give me all four 
and then I'll plot you a path and we'll work out whether the path is right for you. And then we'll just figure, you know what I mean? Like, cause I, I think yeah. that's something I see over and over again is people not being able to execute on plans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really troubling. Right. So. And, yeah. and I would think that could happen over a lot of different reasons, whether it's uh, kind of a setting, setting goals based on others expectations of you or mm -hmm. your perceived expectations. Uh, you know, then you'd also have the idea that, you know, maybe, well, this is what I see everybody else doing. And mm -hmm. so I should definitely just fall into that mold. Um, but at the same time, you see people who they're not, they're not built that way. You know, um, I very thankfully uh, am, am able to work in an area where uh, I've finally figured out what is kind of going on a little bit up here. And so it, it makes it easier for me to go, Hey, I need to not be in the weeds all the time, but if you give me an idea and tell me what you want to head to, then I can make sure you get there. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I use the, the phrase that if you, you tell me what target you want to hit, I'll make sure I'll figure out how to hit that target. Yeah. Like you're going to hit it over and over and over, and I'll be able to make it so systematic yeah. that you yeah. could, you'll be able to do it in your sleep. But I think a lot of people go, oh, well, because my dad did this or because my mom did this or because this was a not even a family business, but this is just what people in my region do. This is what yeah. people that went to this school did yeah. or whatever else. Um, or this is what all the other businesses ahead of me in this category have done. Then I must need to look like that. Right. I mean, I, I think of the silliness of, uh, let me see if I can put this in focus. Liquid death. Liquid death. You know, have you, have you had their stuff no. yet? Oh, what is yeah, that? I'm a huge fan, huge okay. fan. So it is, it's water. Okay. Okay. Water. There is nothing sexy about water, right? Like, that's pretty you sexy go, though. Liquid Nestle, death. Nestle. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, they're this, they've, they've figured out the way, right? Okay. So, you know, Nestle and your, your uh, Evian and all those yeah. guys, you can market yeah. water a certain amount of times in the same way that it's this clear bottle. You show the quality, you show the, the everything about it, you know. But they've made a really great way to make water sexy to influencers, you know. So this is what they call their severed lime version. So it's got, it's a sparkling water. It's got okay. a little bit of lime flavor okay. to it. Um, you know, it's, it's really good. I, I like it. I actually, the, it's, what's funny is I don't like buying products based on their marketing because I've been in it so long that I just go, yeah. yeah, I see through the, the smoke and mirrors. But when there's a company that comes along that knows their identity and they know what they want to do. I mean, I think of dude wipes, you know, the same, same concept there. They know who they are. Yeah. They're selling a product. It's, it's wipes. Yeah. Seriously. Like, but but they market but they figured it out. To dudes. Yeah. They figured out the bro code. Yeah. And so exactly what you know you're talking about is like when you I would imagine that's huge too, kind of kind of going back to the, the college professor thing and going, when you're able to help a company yeah. figure out their identity and then go, That's it. I know exactly what to do, I know how to go, I know how not to dilute what i need to be yeah um man that's really it's awesome yeah it's pretty this funny. is this is me catching it while you're putting it out and i'm like bing light bulb so let's go no i love it i like honestly it's 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 i've never had more fun right because you you do yeah. it's like solving a rubik's cube and then you get it and then there's a really 
there's a really good feeling, right? Because at, at the end of that, the conversation is a, a nice, you know, like, okay, it's time, right? Like you guys are, yeah. you're good. You've got the infrastructure you need. We've got you on a plan. Off you go. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, your, your kind of child leaves the nest and then you go in and help somebody else. Right. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So let's come up to current times here. What, what are you most excited about in retail right now? Like what's, is there something that you're like oh gosh. piquing your interest really? Um, there's a whole bunch of it. Like I'm such a retail nerd. Um, I'm such a retail nerd. Like, so, um, one of the classes I taught today was around sustainability and ethics. And so not sustainability, like from an environmental standpoint, but like mm -hmm. how as marketers, you, um, you build for the future. Um, yeah. so, you know, so you don't kind of like the whole principle, like don't blow your brains out right now. What you need to do is grow and grow responsibly. Um, yeah. and then figure out how you map a path that maybe even, leadership can't see yet, right? Or the other people around you can't see yet. So I love um, I love watching companies um, that are doing that kind of slow down and do things right. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the things that I really love, and, and we've seen them from even like brain trust, you know, kind of comments, but um, like Lululemon and the things mm -hmm. that they were doing, uh, that was a pretty hot topic. Um, our friend, uh, my Toronto friend, Lisa and Lanny was yeah. all over that, but, um, uh, her post is still getting more likes on that. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. Well, but it's, it's huge, right? Because for the longest time, everybody in retail has been plagued by, you know, kind of like knockoffs, right. Is you, you go to, you know, you go to like Amazon and you, there's a branded item and there's 18 knockoffs, right? And you kind of like everyone thinks, oh, I'll just get the knockoff. And here you are, you've got this great big company. And what, what do they do, right? Like they, they could go blow their brains out, but instead they decide we're going to stop and make it an experiential moment. And we're yeah. actually going to take on the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about, right? Like these kind of knockoffs, right? And they went yeah. right after them, right? And to me, that is like, that's sustainable, right? Cause they're, they're taking a crack at how do I keep the ecosystem right? Right. In balance a little bit. And then how do I build for the future? Right. So now I've just won over a whole set of fans. It might've it might cost me a little bit this year uh, or might cost a lot this year, <laughs> but, yeah. but in the future, like what they've done is they've won back a whole set of users that will never, right. That will never yeah. buy those imitation brands again. Right. Which is, it's pretty amazing. Well, and let's play the sneaky side of this yeah. too and go, you know, they just had uh, a lot. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Lululemon did a dupe swap, mm -hmm. um, meaning if you had a product that was not Lululemon that you um, had bought at a lower rate, and maybe it was the price, maybe it was the a different thing that you thought was the same quality, but you, you were interested in experimenting with uh, and experiencing the Lululemon brand um, official items, they would actually swap that item out for you free of charge and give you real Lululemon product. You had to bring that in. I think the brilliant side from a marketing perspective and from a research side, they just had dozens, if not hundreds of people bring their competitors product to yeah. them so they can now analyze yeah. those and go, why was this appealing? Yeah. 
and that's that's brilliant i think it's it it's this perfect circle and like you said then you're tapping that market that maybe didn't understand the hype of lululemon mm-hmm. because they'd never spent the money on it mm-hmm. but then whenever they they got that first pair they're going oh yeah i totally get it like this this is incredibly different um you know i've i've got some lululemon uh shorts in there that are the the men's like workout yep. shorts and they're one of my most favorite pairs because they're so comfortable they breathe well they flex well um and so it's like anytime i get a chance if i see them heck yeah i'm getting them because it's, it's a cool work. insight right like it's a really cool insight like because i have the same as you right like somebody gave me a lululemon sweater once and i was like yeah. oh, it's so fancy and i put True. it on and i was like oh my god right and it's yeah. it's probably my favorite sweater right and i think yep. anyone who has lululemon has that story of like this is the go-to, right? Like, this is my favorite. This is the one that I wear when I want to be most comfortable. And then, yeah. so this is what I'm talking about, like data insight. They took that and went, oh, we got it. Like, so we just got to turn it up a notch, right? So all these guys who think they got a good enough item, let's put one favorite Lululemon item in their wardrobe now. And maybe yeah. they buy a lot less, but then it probably means they're coming back every time now, right? Like, yeah. you know. Rather than it's, it's buying really a new cool. pair every three months, they're yeah. going to save up and get one every six yeah, or eight. Yeah, yeah. So. And I complain every time. Like I buy Lululemon, I complain oh, yeah. every time. I'm like, man, this 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 shiz is so expensive, you know. And then, right? But I come back, like I come back because I like it, right? Like I like the feel, I like the way it's made, you know. So yeah, well, it's like yeah, I tell my awesome. barber, I'm like, hey man, it's a good thing you're really good because you're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm never going anywhere else. I learned that lesson by going. Yeah, to a barber yeah. dupe, you know, yeah, and yeah. it was just like, no, not the same, yeah, not yeah. the same experience. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, it's true. I know we're getting uh, pressed on time right mm-hmm. now. Uh, this is definitely the longest episode we've had so far, which I'm actually excited oh. for. Um, I'm so excited. Yeah. it's been fun to talk to you, man. Yeah, yeah. but I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask, yeah, what is, uh, if you could go back in time, kind of seeing where you're at and where you started. Uh, what is a lesson that you would tell yourself, say 20 years ago or, or however long you want to go back? Um, what is something that you, what's a piece of advice? You idiot. Get out of retail. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's not it, man. Oh. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I feel like this would be the perfect time to use, uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> we got that i um i think it's i think it's to be curious all the time yeah um and like so probably it's like half of it is to be curious and the other half is never forget that there's a real life person buying on the other side Mm because like that's the whole thing about retail is it can never be the same because that consumer who buys their lives are different all the time, right? So, you know, the marketing that you're doing now, it it may not, it won't be the same six months from now and it won't be the same a year from now, right? And so you kind of like, you've got to be looking, you got to look like eight ways to Sunday all the time, right? So it becomes like, be curious and learn all the time, you know? Yeah. Like it's the only way to stay in this industry and have some fun at it too, so. That's huge. Yeah. That yeah. is huge. Well, Phil, thanks so much for being with us on the Retail Wire podcast. I really appreciate you taking time, man. Brian, thank you for doing the podcast so I didn't have to do it. I really appreciate you. Now, 
I will have you on future episodes and I would love to get your insights on some stuff coming up. So bring it on, bring it on. Anytime, Brian. Final question for you. I'm there. Sure. What is the art over your left shoulder there? The glasses. Um, so all of, so all of this is my youngest daughter. So she used okay. to be, she won't let me share the YouTube channel anymore cause she stopped doing it, okay. but she's like the ultimate boss lady. So she's 15 now. And at 14, she had a million subscribers. And then she said to me, you know, dad, I'm done. I'm done with wow. the channel. I don't want to do that anyway. And she was making like good college money. Like she, she, she has yeah. enough for college. And then, so all of this is her art. Like it, it's just her. I can't draw like I draw stick figures. It's really awful. Um, but some somewhere she picked up this talent probably from her mother and it's pretty amazing. So, yeah, that's incredible. man. thanks for thanks for telling us about that. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what is the best place to do that? Is that LinkedIn? Is that a website? What's what's the best way to contact you? You can find me on LinkedIn. So um, just go to Retail Phil and you'll find me. Um, or you can find uh, you can find me at, um, if you go to uh, the podcast page of thiscommercelife.com, uh, you'll be able to find me there. But I'm kind of like sure all over the place. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Uh, looking thanks. forward to uh, more conversations with you in the future. And uh, thanks for being a Brain Trust member here at Retail Wire. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having we'll me. We'll see you all in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Retail Wire podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a comment for a chance to hear it read on the next show. See you next time here on the Retail Wire podcast.